The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest on the podcast today is Paul William Davis. He's an award-winning business growth consultant and speaker, an intuitive personal advisor, an entrepreneur, creator of The Executive Code, a three times best-selling author who works with professionals from around the globe to discover their purpose, unearth their genius, and lead in their field to make a greater difference. Now, Paul has walked an extraordinary life path, being hailed as a healer very early in his childhood because he was born the seventh son of the seventh son who was also the seventh son, denoting 777 and bestowing Paul with many gifts, including being a healer, an empath, and a sensitive intuitive. A gift that he turned his back on to become an accountant and a business consultant. Now, in our conversation, you're going to hear us talk about these polarities and how he has finally integrated them into the deeply transformational work he does today, using all of his skills to help end suffering and save lives, both literally and figuratively. The title for our conversation is How to Discover Your True Life Purpose, something I know many of us are grappling with at the moment. And if this is you, I think you're going to gain a lot of powerful insights from Paul. He's a, well, he's a generous guest, freely sharing his expertise with us. And we do dive deeply into purpose, but I want to warn you, this is not esoteric or woo-woo as a subject. Paul is incredibly grounded in evidence-based ways, as you will hear, to help his clients not only discover, but also live into their true purpose. He's exceptional at identifying what will bring individual fulfillment, joy and meaning to life, and clients regularly refer to Paul as a lifesaver. He's worked with countless business owners, leaders and celebrities from around the world, across all industry sectors, and he's helped to transform several unprofitable enterprises into multi-million successes. And now he is sharing his expertise with us. Now, I'm so grateful for this conversation and everything that Paul shares here, because it truly resonated with me. But anyway, that's enough of me wittering. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Paul William Davis. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Thank you, Jane. I'm so thrilled to be here and um, sharing a message with you. Thank you no, so much. I'm really looking forward to it. And I love that, you know, our, your work is all about discovering your true life purpose, which is what we're going to dig into today. But before we do, I'd really like to ask you something about yourself, because our audience have just heard your professional bio, but I'd love to kind of go beneath the surface and just really kind of tap into who's the real life human that lies behind that professional bio. Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully I know myself <laughs> but <laughs> what people will probably gather from my accent is that um, so I'm based here in Dublin in Ireland 
Um, but I suppose something unusual about myself really is that I was born the, the seventh son of a seventh of a seventh. Now, in Ireland, um, there's a lot of folklore around being the seventh son. Um, so I suppose when I was growing up as a young kid, what I used to do was healing for different people that would come to the house. So different people would come for, you know, rheumatism or cancer or migraines, a whole range of different ailments. So I grew up in a very different world whereby, yes, I had six other brothers <laughs> um, many of them beat me up, mind you. But <laughs> on the other side, it was um, being thrown in a deep end from from a healing perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose when when I became a teenager and going into adulthood, um, that w- really wasn't that cool for me anymore. I didn't really want to be doing it anymore. So I kind of right. left that side uh, away from me. Um, and that's when I entered my professional life. Um, so I became management accountant. I, you know, I, I, I went into companies, turned around very, very quickly. I'd, I'd have a very, um, my average turnaround for a company was six months, whereas most business consultants will be in around between a year to a year and a half. Um, because again, the, the, there was a part of me that was, um, I kept hidden for, for many, many years. Um, and it wasn't until 2011 when my first brother passed away that I made the decision to say, actually, you know what? I can't hide this part of me any longer. Um, so hence the reason why I then, um, for one of a better word, came out to the world and shared who I am in completeness in terms of being an empath and also being intuitive, but also knowing and getting insights and imagery um, for clients around what their life purpose is and what they're here to do and what their intention behind it is and so on. Um, so that's, I suppose, a, a flavor of who I am. Apart from that, I've been married for over 30 years and we've uh, two kids. Well, I'm saying kids, but they're adults now at this stage. So they're, <laughs> yeah. they're 26 and 24, two boys. And we, during COVID, uh, we adopted and rescued um, a dog. I, I was going to say a horse because she's actually quite large. <laughs> she's a mix between a, a German shepherd and a collie. So she's she's quite a big dog. Um, but she's an amazing dog, I have to say. So she, she completes our family list, by the way. Oh, lovely. But my word, what an extraordinary childhood. I've never heard about the seventh son of the seventh son. So can you tell me a little bit about what, I mean, symbolism of that? What does that mean? Because for that to plunge you into healing in your childhood is really quite extraordinary. Yeah, it, it would be quite common within Ireland. And it's really known in what we what we would refer to as the country areas. So mm-hmm. it's it's outside the city and where a lot of people you'd you'd have farmers and it goes back many, many years, like centuries. And really where it comes about is that somebody that's born the seventh son, there's a test that people do um that to really find out whether you have the gift, what's what's called the gift. Right. And that gift is 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 of healing, but it can come across in a few different ways. So some people have the gift of healing humans. Some people use the gift in terms of healing animals. Um, and so it's quite common in the agricultural scene um, in relation to that. So there will be quite a few. Um, let me put it this way. You know, Ireland is very Roman Catholic. So yeah. there's there's a lot of large families um, that, that are in <laughs> Ireland. So um, it wouldn't be unusual to have a, a seven son born uh, into a family. Um, most families, not most families, but some families can go up to, you know, 
11 children, 15 children here in Ireland, going back to, to the generations. Right. Um, but for me, you know, my, both my parents were from the country. So um, they knew as soon as I, bought, I was born, uh, being the seventh son, um, they, they, again, they did the tests in relation to, uh, my brothers did the tests on me to see whether I had a gift or not, um, which I did. Um, and when word spread, that's when I started to get people coming to, to the house. And I even had a, a Catholic priest come to the house um, looking for a healing, which which he got, which will be unusual from a, a church perspective. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, everywhere I used to go, I, I remember going on, on holidays. We went to a, a camping site one year and again, word, word spread. And I, I remember distinctly, um, I probably would have been only about seven or eight at the time. And um, the uh, a lady in the caravan beside us, um, she was going through cancer. And um, so she asked for a healing as well. So that's that. That's what I was thrown into. But I suppose, yeah, as growing up into adulthood, it became for me because it wasn't really explained to me. And mm-hmm. the gifts weren't really fully explained to me. You know, I, people would come to the house, I do a healing. I wouldn't get anything in return, which was part of, again, growing up from the perspective of somebody would like to give a gift or money or whatever in return for the healing. But my mum wouldn't accept anything in return for it. So there was me as a kid. So I was like, I'm doing all this work. But <laughs> give me something. <laughs> but, um, so I, I, I just I, I moved away from it. Uh, mm-hmm. But long old. Um, the universe has a way of getting you back to, to what you're supposed to do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's so interesting because, you know, when, when when I'm kind of, as you're talking, I'm thinking, wow, you were like an identity was kind of bestowed upon you as a child right, at a really young age. And this identity of healer as well, which is a real archetype, you know, in, in yeah. many cultures. And yet, you know, there you are. And you know, what you said at the end there really resonated with me that you weren't getting anything back because to me that doesn't resonate because of, you know, the laws of energy and the exchange that's needed really. So I I totally get that. But then I heard you say accountant. (laughs) (laughs) If I can think of a career that's more far away from like intuitive and healing in that way, I mean, it probably would be accountancy. So what was that? Why did you go in that direction? Honestly, I fell into it. Um, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't like school at all. Like I really did not enjoy school. I used to get beaten up quite a bit. Um, so didn't like school. Um, when I left, when I left school then and say, look, where are you going to go from, from career perspective? I had no idea. Um, so I started doing electronic engineering mainly because my dad was an electronic engineer as well. Um, so I said, look, I'll try that and, and, and see how it goes. Um, I lasted less than a year because then a, a job offer came up. And they said, actually, do you know what? I'll, I'll get a job because I'll earn money. Um, so that was actually with a firm of investment brokers. And then when that happened, um, the for whatever reason, the financial controller at the time within the company noticed I had an aptitude for for certain things within within the business. Um, because it kept saving money, it kept finding you know mistakes in, in the business and all that kind of stuff and so on. And he said, Look, would would, would you consider doing accountancy? And I said, no way. It's no way I'm, I'm going away and, and studying for four years um, because it's four years at a time. He said, well, why don't you do what um, is like an introduction? And right. here in Ireland or in Europe anyway, it, there, there's a qualification called accounting technician. Hmm. So it's only a two-year program. I said, oh, look, look, I'll do the two years. And that's literally how I fell into it. And then went from two years 
I then went into management accounting. That was four years. Um, and then I went into, I studied taxation. Um, and then I studied um, all different types of business consultancy, business growth. So I've worked with all different types of companies from, you know, solopreneurs right through to scaling companies for an IPO listing. Um, but here's the amazing thing about it. And like, everybody can only see it in hindsight. Mm -hmm. The universe works so perfectly. And the reason why I say that is because for me doing the work that I'm currently doing, um, it is phenomenal how much I use the accountancy and the business consultancy side. So when I was developing the methodology to back up and support the insights and the knowings and the visions that we get for, for, for clients around what their life purpose was, a common thing for clients to turn around to say to me will be, Paul, you're sure you're just making this up. Um, so part of me was kind of, okay, I've got to find a way of how I can give them evidence. And for me also, and most people that are intuitive and use their intuitive gifts quite significantly, they'll go through a phase where they'll want, they want, they'll want the evidence. They want the proof. They want to know, is this my conscious mind or is this my intuitive that's actually giving me the guidance? So the, the accounting side of me and the logical part of me worked out so perfectly from the point of view of developing a process, looking for the evidence, breaking it down into a logical, logical process that anybody can, can, can follow. And then the business consultancy side comes into play from the point of view of once I discover an individual's life purpose, now it's case, okay, so how do we turn that into a career or a business? Not so much to, to monetize it, but everybody's got to earn a living. And as you referred to earlier on, one of the universal laws is the law of fair exchange. So there has to be mm -hmm. fair exchange from that perspective. But ultimately, it's it's how can we reach more and more people and turn it into a business in order to reach a much, much bigger impact. Um, so it, it is amazing how the universe works. Yes, no, I totally agree with you. And what I love about what you're describing here is it's almost like there were these two separate parts of your life. Yeah. And now they're integrated. You're becoming whole. <laughs> That's what it feels like as you're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've got to ask you, you know, when you look back, I mean, what insights is it that you're bringing into your work today? I mean, what is it that stands out for you? Were there milestones or anything that really drove you into the work that you're doing today? Um, okay, I, I suppose the one thing, as, as you're asking the question, the one thing I suppose that really stands out for me is, let me put it this way, when I was growing up, I didn't want to be here. Right. Not many people can understand that feeling. No, and I that get it. Understanding. I literally did not want to be here. So, um, you know, from a very young age, from the age of 10, I literally just wanted to check out a life. I just, I didn't get this life. I didn't get this world. I didn't get this people. I just get this energy. And being an empath, you really <laughs> do not want to be here uh, because of so much that, that, that you're picking up. Um, so for literally for the vast majority of my life, I, I went through suicide ideation. I went through mm -hmm. literally trying to battle with depression um you know people call it mental health i prefer to use the term mental fitness mm -hmm. um but for the vast like I, i'm 55 now next month um but for the vast majority of my life was taken up with suicide ideation planning and, and looking at it from that perspective um but it's it's funny because there was an inner part of me saying that there has to be a solution there has to be a way not to feel the way i'm feeling mm -hmm. so throughout my whole life was driving me so let me put it this way i'd go to meetings with clients 
and nobody knew my my inner story. Nobody knew, like literally my family didn't know, even my wife didn't know um, until much, much later in, in her life um, in terms of what my inner thoughts were, what my inner turmoil was. Um, mm-hmm. I wore a mask, which so many people wear anyway. Um, right. And because of the work that I do and, and, and how I connect with people and so on, I, I know people that, that had that mask on and I'm able to connect with them very, very quickly. And because I've done my own research in relation, okay, so what causes um, depression and suicide ideation, which is, again, different to what conventional wisdom would would share in relation to that subject matter. Um, But that was the inner drive for me from the perspective of I'd meet with a client, I'd know what her life purpose is, and I'd come away from that meeting. Like so many times I'd sit in my car saying, I just wish somebody would come along and tell me what my purpose is in life because I can't figure this out. And I had done what everybody else did or does when it comes to this subject matter to try and find out what your life purpose is, you know, find what you're passionate about or complete ikigai or find your why or apply a meaning, you know, Victor Frankl, apply a meaning to something. Um, and none of those worked. None of them gave me the answer that I was looking for. Um, not the way that I, I could give answers to, to my clients. So I had to find my own methodology in order, first of all, to find my own purpose, but also to substantiate the evidence that I was finding for clients. So therefore they trusted what I was saying because now they could see the evidence in their life and therefore they couldn't turn around and say, well, Paul, you're just making this up. Um, so that that drive in order to not feel the way I was feeling because I wanted meaning in my life. I wanted purpose in my life. I wanted a reason to be here. And that's, I suppose, the, the, the biggest drive for, for me over, over literally the vast majority of my life. Mm. Wow. I mean, that's quite quite a story there that you're telling us. And I know that, you know, when we look out in the world today, there is a lot of, of kind of unrest and a lot of people feeling like this is not the world they want to live in. And I know that's certainly true of our audience as well. So before we move in, because I do want to dive in deeper into, into your kind of uh, the way that you help people find purpose. But before we do, I just wanted you know, if there's anybody listening to this that is in that space, they're they're struggling for whatever reason, um, you know, with their mental fitness, you know, is there any advice you'd give to them, Paul, that can help them to kind of navigate and find their way through? Um, one thing that people will understand when they're in that space, because what this is what they'll hear, they'll hear, you know, get enough rest, check your diet, eliminate the alcohol and get loads of exercise. Right. And that's going to solve it, but it won't. <laughs> it will, it'll help towards it. Don't, don't, I have to be careful with medical professionals in, in, in the audience. So it will help towards it, but it's not going to solve it. Okay. Um, what you got to understand is that, you know, depression, suicide, ideation, when you understand it from a different way, and here, here's how I explain it. One is, first of all, it, 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 it's triggered by an event or a series of events. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you look at all the research and all the scientific research has been done on this subject matter, um, what you'll find is that there will be traumas that an, a person will have encountered um, in their childhood, but it manifests at somewhere between 25 to 35 years later. Mm. So, and that manifests in multiple different ways. It can manifest in depression, suicide ideation, alcoholism, gambling, um, drug addiction, um, sex addiction it's it, a whole range but that's how it manifests mm. but once you know oh okay so it's from traumas that have happened in her childhood but bear in mind there there's 
uh, if you want to call it a methodology or, or a scoring mechanism, it's called the ACE score, which is adverse childhood experiences. And this, it, the ACE score basically means that you can have a childhood experience, but it can be as simple as the child has moved school or up to there's been a separation or divorce in the family or a bereavement in the family. Somebody has been incarcerated in the family or a close relative has passed away. So it's a whole range of different traumas. But however, it's not just the significance of the trauma, it's the number of traumas. And the more traumas that happen in a child's life, well, then it is the level of intensity of how it's going to materialize later on in life in terms of suicide ideation or alcoholism or drug abuse and so on is literally dependent on the score mm. of the number of traumas that they've had in, in their child. But when you know that understanding, now you can realize, well, first of all, it's better traumas and it's better perception. It's better our, us not being able to fully express who we truly are as in mean our full self, our authentic self. And it's in relation to our fear and our shame and our guilt in relation to everything else that happened in our life. But everything, all of that is actually in our mind from the perspective. Mm -hmm. Meaning, What I mean by that is it's our perceptions. But when you realize, okay, so it's in our mind, it's in our perceptions, it's to deal with our traumas and deal with our, being able to fully express who we truly are. Now we can work on every single one of those elements and dissolve every single one of those elements. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, now you know you can get to a point whereby you don't have suicide ideation. So yeah. really, I suppose, really in answer to your question, what I'm saying is, there's hope, right. but it's real hope. It's not yeah. just a case of you're just going to have to do exercise for the rest of your life. <laughs> or you're going to have to do talk therapy for the rest of your life. No, there's actually real hope that you can actually get to a point of really, really loving what you're doing and loving yeah. life. Yeah. And to me, as you're speaking, you know, I, I, I think about my own life and I had a difficult childhood. I was also intuitive. But unlike your life, in a way, my family closed it down. They were scared of it. They didn't like it at all, right? And so I grew up with this identity that was, that's not okay. Like, you can't be you, Jane, because <laughs> that's not okay. And then, of course, you know, the challenges of childhood and everything, just like you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. But what I know from my own life, and I'd love to hear what you think of this is, for me, life without a purpose is mm. a lot more meaningless for me. Yeah. And, and that's where I have had suicidal thoughts in my life. And that has been, you know, when I look back on crises times, mm. it, it really has been where I've kind of lost my way or I've lost my purpose because mm. One of the things I realized, and um, my audience probably knows this, but um, you don't, Paul, which is that I actually had a terminal diagnosis following a, um, a physical medical injury and um, was told I would die by 2011. And that process, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but that process actually taught me that living my life for me was mm. not enough. It yeah. wasn't enough for me, right? Living my life for my family wasn't enough I'm, I'm talking about like my husband and my my mom and dad at that time but living my life for my kids that's what pulled me through like yeah. I couldn't imagine somebody telling my children that their mom was no longer here yeah. and so or that she'd chosen not to be here which is even worse and so for me that's what pulled me through and as I get older and as I mature I've realized the importance of purpose 
in yeah. my life to actually give me a pathway that makes the, whatever this is meaningful at an identity level for me. And without that, I don't know how people do survive, really. I would even go that far because yeah. life's hard, you know. Yeah. And so where it brings me to is how did you get from all of that, right, uh, everything that you've described so far and the accountancy and the business and all of that to then realizing your own life purpose and, and what is that would you be willing to share with our audience <laughs> in simple terms quite literally in simple terms it's to save lives love it it is it's literally as simple as that and i mean that both literally and metaphorically mm. because there's clients that will come to me and they'll have no end of clients whereby they could be well known they could be executives they could be celebrities they could be individuals that from the outside world they have everything they have the cars, the houses, the you name it, they have everything from what people desire. Um, but inwardly, they're either planning, have attempted or are literally contemplating suicide and checking out of life. Mm. Um, because literally they're saying, what on earth am I doing this for? Um, what's the point of it? I'm, I'm at a crossroads in life. And uh, so it's it's literally from from that perspective of people and individuals like that because they'll turn around to me and say, Paul, you've literally saved my life. So it's those kind of people that I've worked with, but also people from the perspective of you, you, you describe it so eloquently earlier on in terms of there's so many people going through life, but they're just existing. Mm. And and you can see them. It's very you, you don't know it when you're in the in, in that mm. space. You, you don't know it because that's all you know. But when you as many people would have been listening to this, to this podcast from the point of view of They'll go on a journey or, or some people will refer to it as a spiritual awakening or they're raising their consciousness or raising their vibrations, different terminology that, that people use. But they'll begin to realize, ah, OK, there, there, there is a different life to have. There's a different life that has meaning, that has purpose, that there's so much more that we can get out of life. That our previous life just feels like an existence as opposed to living. Yeah. So when I talk metaphorically in relation to saving lives, it's literally having people to really live a life that they really want to suck every single ounce out of life in the work that they do. So yeah. my purpose literally is saving lives. Um, and once it's that, then it's a case of, okay, how, how can they reach their full potential? Um, which is all the work that I do. Which I love. I really do. And it's so needed <laughs> today yeah. in the world. So needed. So I want to take you back to when you were talking about this, like unique blend of how, you know, your childhood as a healer and then moving into the accountancy and the business consultancy, how those two kind of integrated to really help you in the work that you do today. And you were talking about helping, you know, helping others to find their purpose and do it in a way that is evidence so that they realize you're not making it up so I mean would you mind walking us through that a little bit because I have noticed you talk about genius quest genius roles genius drivers genius inspiration uh, and I like I'm like well what is that is that part of what you're talking about I mean would yeah. you kind of mind sharing a little bit so sure. that we can get some sense of what it is that's different about you <laughs> Okay, so let me put it this way. There's um over the years, so let me put it this way. A lot of the work that I do is in the business world. Right. So it's it's executives, it's CEOs, 
be it's large corporates as well as individuals running their own business. Um, for for those people, again, it goes back to you know how the universe is so perfect. For those people to really accept, um, somebody talking the language that I talk, they've it it becomes easier when they're hearing it from somebody that's a an accountant. B, proven <laughs> business consultant, an award-winning business consultant, um, knows business, can know how to grow and scale businesses. So now that there, there's that credibility piece mm -hmm. as soon as you walk in the door, if, if that makes sense, yeah. as opposed yeah. to if they go to some people whereby um, it's too esoterical for them, they're not going to accept it. They, right. they, ju they just won't. They're to the complete disconnect. So that combination of the intuitive as well as the business side of things works really well for, for guiding people along their path. Um, what I do is, okay, so over the, over the years, I, I'd, I'd meet with somebody, I'd be connected with them from an intuitive perspective. Um, and an empath for me, I, I, I go much, much deeper. It's, it's not just like some people will be empathic or some people will consider. And if they're in game, I'm trying to describe for your listeners in terms of, they may not be familiar with what an empath is. Um, so empathy is is having that feeling of what other people are, are going through. Okay, that, so that people understand it from that perspective. So you can be empathic from that side of things. But when you're an intuitive and an empathic from a sensitive perspective, you get to feel deep down and what I refer to as a soul level, what that soul is experiencing from an individual. Mm. That's tough. So when you're trying to make sense of what does that soul want and what does that soul want to express in this world and what's its, for one better word, what's its contract here to fulfill in terms of its life purpose? That's the evidence that I had to try and find. Mm -hmm. And how the soul communicates is through your unconscious. So your unconscious, think of it from the point of view, people will be familiar with your gut feeling. And everybody would have had instances and experiences of what their good feeling is. And they know when they follow their good feeling, <laughs> it's worked for them. But when they haven't, it you know, they, it, they've had adverse consequences. So your soul is constantly trying to communicate it through your, through your unconscious. But so how we find the evidence is looking at how the unconscious is, is communicating true to us, but also it will show up in different ways, like literally from the, the, the books people read to the training course that they would go on, how they spend their money, how they live through life, what inspires them. There's so many different ways of, of literally how we can find that evidence and we bring it all together. Then that's what we discover as being what an individual's life purpose is. So what you're referring to in relation to the genius drivers, the genius quest, the genius role and the genius inspiration, the origin of the word genius is that innate ability that you're born with. It's that innate spirit that you're born with. So you're born with it. That's your genius. But most people's genius is, is, is covered over because they've had to go through, you know, a college degree that they were either told to do or because their father did it and so on, so on, and so on. And they haven't followed the path of what they really should be doing in, in life. And different things happen, different traumas, different events, different stuff happens in their life as, as with everybody's life. Um, but so that genius gets covered over. So where, where most people try and find out what their life purpose is, people say, well, find your why. And what happens with that is they're trying to figure out their why based using their conscious mind. Mm. So they're consciously trying to work out what is their why based on what they're currently doing. But your life purpose doesn't come from your conscious thinking. 
It comes from your soul. It comes from your unconscious. On top of that, if you're trying to figure out your why based on what you're currently doing, but what you're currently doing may not be what you should be doing in the first place, it's going to be the wrong why. Your genius is innate within yourself. I prefer to use the term inspiration because inspirare, the origin of the word inspiration, comes from divine guidance. That's where it originates from. And you can't your inspiration is is irrefutable. You, you, you literally, you can't deny it. And everybody will have had moments in their life in relation to what has inspired me. It's that awe that they actually receive. And there's an emotional response that they get when they see and witness something that is truly inspiring for them. So they're, they're all pieces of evidence that we pull together. Your genius drivers is what gives you fulfillment. So think of it with the best way I explain to clients is imagine you've got three buckets sitting in front of you. And each one of those buckets represents a genius driver. Your job throughout your life is to fill each one of those buckets. Because by filling those buckets, that's where you get fulfillment from. Being full, fulfillment. That's the origin of the word for fulfillment. So your genius drivers is what gives you fulfillment. Your genius quest is what you are to do. Now, a quest, again, if you look up the definition of quest, it's a long and arduous journey. <laughs> okay. Your purpose is with you through your life because a common question I get asked is, well, does your purpose change throughout your life? And the answer is no, it doesn't. You've, you've got a soul contract to fulfill what your life purpose is. You start with that soul. You start with that life purpose. That life purpose stays with you throughout your whole life until you fulfill it. And if you don't fulfill it, well, then lo and behold, you're going to have to come back over it again. All right. So that's just as a, as a side note. But so throughout your whole life, it, it never changes. It develops and it evolves and it grows but it never changes. So that, that's just one thing to, to dismiss from, from what's spoken about in relation to life purpose. So that's your genius quest. Your genius role comes into play from the perspective of, well, over all the clients that I've worked with in all the years I've been doing this, I've identified 10 different genius roles. Now, take a role is most people will, again, if you're a business owner, you play multiple different, you'll, you'll wear different hats meaning you're, you're playing different roles. So you're the marketing person, you're the operations person, you're the finance person, you're literally your jack of all trades within the business itself. But you're born with a unique individual role, meaning one of those 10 roles. And you unconsciously do it. You literally, you don't have to work at it. You don't have to develop any skills on it. You naturally do that role. But for every single role, there's a shadow side. And that shadow side causes the self-sabotage for people. So that's where people go, go off course. But what, again, it's just how amazing how, how the universe works. Each of those aspects, your genius inspiration, your genius drivers, your genius quest, and your genius role, all work in, interlinked together. So your, your genius role is best suited for the purpose or the mission that you're here to fulfill. Always best suited. And your genius inspiration is always connected with your genius quest, meaning it's the inspiration for why you're actually doing the mission in the first place. So that's how the, how the four of them work together. When you pull all those together, I, I, I use a lot of aviation terms in, in my marketing, my business, because I love everything to do with aviation. Um, so when you pull all those elements together, it's what I call your pilot's manual. And your pilot's manual basically is, is literally, it's your manual for life. Right, right. I love that. And as you're, as you're talking, I'm finding myself thinking, I think I know <laughs> what, what my true purpose is in life. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, 
I'm not sure. Because in a way, my mind came intuitively, so it did come from the unconscious. But by the very nature of the unconscious, of course, it's not conscious. So I love how you, you know, as you were talking, Paul, I almost had this vision of looking back on my life like a like a pathway. And like yeah. there's these little lights that are like, as you were talking about the different roles and the drivers and the inspiration, it was like I was seeing these little lights along the way that were like little seeds germinating to kind of keep me on my path and and keep me going and when I look back on my own life I have no doubt there's times when I've been way off course and one of the things that I am learning through my own life path is that when I am off course I usually it's weird I don't get an illness I get an injury (laughs) I've had a number of them now but it's almost like okay time out Jane time out it's time to just like sit now we're going to take you out of your life completely sit and reflect because when you come back you're going to be changed and you're going to be back on path and I look back on my life and I've had these some of them have been very traumatic but these milestone moments where everything that I thought was true about myself and my life and my relationships or whatever just kind of fell to the floor and it was like oh (laughs) now what and so you know is that something that you think about that 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 life has a way of kind of corralling you back onto your purpose and I'm almost at the point now where I'm like oh like I I almost notice now when I'm not on path or on track just before something happens and I'm like okay I've got it I've got the message I'm going back so It's kind of interesting, like you say, the way that the dynamics of life, and it almost feels to me a little bit like, it's why I think I still love the film The Matrix. Sometimes I feel like I'm at moments where it's red pill or blue pill. Which one are you going to do? Like on purpose, not on purpose, you know? And sometimes this is the easy option, the the one that takes me off track because I just think, oh, like it's going to be easy. It's going to be more convenient, so I'm going to do that one. When really what I need is to make the right decision for me and for other people around me or whatever but it's not always the easy decision I notice I mean do you have a sense of that (laughs) but it's it's funny as you're talking because there's an analogy that I use which is I call it the feather the brick in the truck oh so so take it along these lines again everyone's unconscious is constantly trying to bring them to their life purpose uh, because that's what you're here to fulfill so we, we get those intuitive flashes or those inspired thoughts or, you know, we could be watching a movie or having a conversation. It's it's a light touch of a feather. And that, mm-hmm. that's where it has. But if we don't listen to the feathers, well, then the brick comes along. But <laughs> so but the brick, the brick, if you can imagine, will be along the lines of, look, we, we, we get an illness, but we can overcome it. Yeah. Or we'll get a financial setback, but we can overcome it. Or we'll get something that happens in a relationship, but we'll, we'll get over it. And um, they're, they're the bricks. I wrote in my first book, Evolve, which um, I refer to myself as the brick, because when people find me or discover me, they, they, they most of the time they don't know how they found me, but they yet they found me. Um, but when they they come to me, I, I literally they, they know I'm the brick because then now they have to take action based on on what I tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if they don't listen to the brick, well then the truck comes along, and nobody wants the truck because that's quite severe. Um, so you can still overcome it. But it happens, yeah, it, it's their life altering events. Yeah. So whether it be an illness or a divorce or, or a separation, it can be a bankruptcy, it can be no end of different things. It, it, it impacts on pretty much, it starts off with the the area of life that's most primary to an individual. It starts off there. 
And if you if the person's still not listening, then it goes to the rest of the areas of, of, of that in in order priority for, for an individual. Um yeah, so they're they're the trucks. Nobody wants the trucks. Right. So there's something else I want to ask you, because I also work in a similar field with my clients. And one of the things that um I notice is that you know, there's almost like an expectation from some clients and I start talking about purpose, right? And and I do something called soul, your soul's resonance. So we're very aligned in a way. I I, I work with the soul and we, we also have a soul business academy and things. So it's very yeah. aligned in this idea of soul and this yeah. essence of who you are. Mm-hmm. But what I notice is that people can come along for like a, a, a process like what you're describing and and they have almost this magical thinking that once they have their purpose it's going to be all like fairies and beautiful and you know like the sun's always going to be shining and they'll never fall to their knees again kind of thing yeah. right and that's that's the first issue and then the second issue for me is that finding your purpose is really just the beginning right of articulating it yeah. but embodying it and living it is something else entirely. <laughs> so what's your sense of that, Paul? Happens every single time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just my clients. <laughs> so yeah, so let, let, let's dispel a few myths. Um, yeah, let's. Because, you know, so many clients will come to me and I say, I, I've been searching for 20 years and lo and behold, you give me my life purpose in a half a day. How, how on earth can that happen? Yeah. But because the question they want to know is, what am I to do in my life? What, right. what's my purpose what's my mission what is always a what what am i to do okay but pretty much i'm, I'm not going to say every every single situation but the vast majority of cases as soon as they know their what now immediately what shows up for them is all their fears hmm. meaning so where do i start who am i to do that what, what how, how do i do that so it's all that, that conscious thinking then that starts coming to play but Ours is not to worry about the how we're to do things. It's more around embody it first and then the how would show up. But right. yes, there's different practical things that we got to do in relation to setting up a business and how that works from a career perspective and so on, or a business perspective. It depends on which way the individual is, is, is going to be going. Um, but that's always the, the, the first initial piece that, that shows up for people. And once you get them over that hurdle and say, look, no, this is how it works. Here's here's how it can look like and here's how you can start. I I I I use another, um, there, there's two metaphors that come to mind as, as you're asking the question one is um i say to people because some people their initial reaction is well who am i to do that and i say look at imagine yourself that you're on a steps of stairs and there's 10 steps in that step of stairs and imagine yourself that you're standing on step number five and your purpose is to help the people that are on steps one two three four and five but there's also people ahead of you on step six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, which you can learn from to help you on your quest to fulfill. So you'll learn from the people above you, but equally you're going to be helping those people. So everybody, every single individual has everything that they need in order to do the work that they're here to do. Mm-hmm. So they, they progress up that up those steps of stairs, but they have everything that they need. The other thing that that the other metaphor that I, I suppose I explain to people is that it's a bit like you've you've had and you're comfortable with the old world and you refer to the Matrix, which is quite funny <laughs> because I, I love that movie, the, the original movie. Yeah. Um. And for me, I, I describe it from the point of view: it's like having one foot on the pontoon and one foot in the boat. Mm-hmm. 
the new the, the boat represents the new world of where you're supposed to go in order to fulfill your purpose the pontoon refers to the matrix refers to the old world what you know and what you've been used to for for, for years whether it be your career your business whatever it might be until such times you make a firm decision and get into the boat life is going to literally show up different tests and different things in your life to make it feel unnerving like the feeling as if you've got literally one foot on the boat and one foot on the pontoon because now you'll go through what i refer to as the state of the split individual and that split person is basically like the world is pulling you apart and that's what it absolutely feels like until such times you make a firm decision and you get into the boat and now you go with how your unconscious wants to guide you towards to fulfill your purpose which is how the house shows up um, and now you're you're embodying your purpose fully so doesn't mean that you're going to have a a fantasy life that is going to be absolutely amazing and unicorns and rainbows. Absolutely not, because the overarching purpose of life for everybody is to be your genius you, because everybody else is taken anyway, as Oscar Wilde would say. So it's to be your genius you. It's to live life fully, to experience, to love and to evolve. We can't achieve any of those other things unless there's challenges that show up in life. So Yes, challenges show up in life, but again, part of personal mastery is knowing how to deal with the challenges that show up in our life, because there's always both sides, a lot universal law of duality, there's always both sides, there's good stuff, and there's yeah. not so good stuff that shows up in our life. Yeah, it's interesting, because as you're talking, I'm realizing for me, the, the this work that you're doing is foundational to me to leadership. And it's yeah. at that point where we we know something maybe about our purpose that we didn't know before and now we're being called to live into that and embody that and 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 really get on our our soul's path in a way yeah. and that to me is why this is so important to leadership and particularly i've heard you talk about authentic leadership yeah. So what does that mean to you? And like, you know, if there are leaders listening, you know, how can that be achieved? And what role do you see purpose having in that authentic leadership? Because if you know who you truly are mm-hmm. and what your purpose is, what your mission is, and I use the term, I refer to integrity as being integrated. Hmm. Integrated as being knowing and being aligned with who you truly are. Right. Now you're coming from a, a fundamentally an authentic space. Right. Now, I refer to, again, when I'm teaching my clients, every I, I bring everything back to a pendulum. So a pendulum, you can see from a macro perspective in the sense of, you know, countries fighting against each other or politics or financial banks or country, you know, everything can be brought from a macro perspective, but also from a micro perspective, micro meaning the individual. So every single individual has a genius pendulum. When that pendulum is in equilibrium, it's love. That's the equilibrium point. Now, when it's love, well, now you're in equilibrium, you're integrated, you're operating from that point of love, that space of love. Now you've got integrity because now you've got a higher, for one better word, a higher purpose, a higher meaning to what it is that you're here to do. That's your true authentic self. When the pendulum is out of equilibrium, now you're operating from a space that's not your true you, not your true authentic self. And the universe is constantly trying to bring every single individual back into equilibrium. So when somebody, for example, has fear or anxiety, that means they're attached to something. So therefore, their engine is out of equilibrium. When they're operating from a space, people will talk about ego, but 
it's it's from a, a misunderstanding of ego. Ego, from my point of view, I, I use ego as an acronym for ex, an expression of your genius oneness. Whereas people perceive ego as being, well, it's something bad, it's something nasty, because they say, well, your man's got a big ego. So they, they, in society has, has made ego into something bad, but it's actually not. The origin of ego is actually your true authentic self, is your, mm-hmm. your true oneness. But as people describe it, it's more about their personality. So they describe somebody as being, well, he's very egotistical or he's very narcissistic. But the universe will constantly try and bring that individual back into equilibrium. And the opposite of narcissistic is to be altruistic. So again, somebody that's altruistic will be forced or guided again into equilibrium. So your true authentic self as a leader, once you know your life purpose, but also it's one thing knowing your life purpose, but what you said earlier on, Jane, in relation to it's about being and embodying your life purpose and being that true and authentic self. That's when you got true authentic leadership, as opposed to trying to be a persona of what society dictates you should be. When you're operating from that core, because let me put it this way, when people know what their life purpose and they're sensitive, they'll know that it absolutely resonates deep down within them. And that resonance, that deep resonance within internally gives them a huge sense of self-worth and confidence. And from that, now you're operating from that energy space. That's very, very different than trying to be a leader as opposed to operating from who you truly are. Yeah. I totally get you. Um, You know, I love what you're saying because it so resonates with me and the work that I do. And I know that our audience are just going to be loving what you're speaking about here, Paul, because I think, so if I, I'll talk from my perspective for a moment, because I'd love to get your sense of this. Like one of the challenges I notice for leaders in organizational life today is almost how when we we look back on, I'd probably go as far as the industrial revolution and the way that we've defined organizational life, almost like machines, right? And the way that we kind of plug and play people in different teams and different departments and kind of expect them to just keep giving more, more, more at any cost, right? right? Mm, and this yeah. this is my stuff, but it's definitely where my work lies, is it's almost like we've we've lost the humanity. We've lost yeah. the soul in organizational life. And I would go as far to say there, there are organizations that, that kind of will articulate a purpose. But then when mm-hmm. you get inside the culture, you realize they're not actually embodying it or living it. And I think that's true for organizations and collectives, but also for individuals, because yeah. this challenge is how do I embody that when the world is waving at me to do and be something else, right? And I think that's true at all different levels of system. So what I'm hearing from you, and I know it's certainly true for us in the Sacred Changemakers community, is is this shift that we're trying to bring in, this shift of being human again, of being able to bring our soul to work, not just the role and then this idea of alignment that I'm in the right organization where I can align my purpose with what my team and the department and the organization is trying to do and I think somewhere along the the decades or whatever we've lost that insight we've lost that alignment and I'd just love you to speak to that for a moment because I know I long for a world where that is back, where we have the humanity back in the workplace, where there is a purpose and a meaning to what we do and that everybody is valued in an inclusive way. So what's your sense of that? Does that make sense to you? It, it, makes, it makes absolutely perfect sense um, because I know right. what's happening from a 
from a sensitive perspective. So I, I, I can bring that dimension into it as well. But um, so let me put, okay, let me, let me, let me explain <laughs> this. Um, some companies are embracing it. Yes. And they're embracing that new way of um, bring the whole person to, 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 the, to the workplace. And it's not just a case of, you know, and yes, there are companies out there that um, taught a language, but when you get inside, they're, they're, they're very, very different. Yeah. But it's very easy to find out which ones are actually um, really embodying it. Um, and when they really mean to go and bring the whole individual to life and with, within the business itself, um, the, the business is completely different. It, it's phenomenal. Then there's the companies that they're trying to hold on to the old way of doing things and not to be ageist, but as I said, I'm 55, <laughs> but I, I see it so much is because that's what they've grown up yeah. as being. They, they've they've gone up their career ladder in that way and, and it's right. literally climbing their ladder in that way and they expect everybody else to follow suit. It's not going to happen because now there's, there's this um, dynamic playing out from the old world, for one of a better word, and the new world coming in. Mm-hmm. And it, so in some respects, it's been forced because ultimately what's happening is that people are leaving their jobs. They're saying, right. I, I want a different life. I want to I want to go to a company. And it's not they're not saying, you know, I want to go to a company where I'm respected. No, I want to go to a company whereby there, there is this sense of fulfillment and there is this sense of purpose and meaning within the company. Yes, I want to do a good job, but look, at there, there's so much... The, the, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, and it's not a bit t- talking about all the different generations, but let's just call it the younger generation or the generation that have entered the workforce over the last number of years. They're tr- they're there to teach us something. They are absolutely there to teach us something. Right. We're there. We're, we should be embracing them from the perspective, but they get a lot of bad press. Let's put it that way. But they're saying we there's more to life. Mm than working on a treadmill there's and if as soon as they get a hint of no i'm going to work on a treadmill they're gone they've moved on to another company so companies will not survive because they get so much turnover in, in their employees that they're having from an energetic perspective what's happening the best way i've described it to clients and some people will understand this other people won't but from an energetic perspective and i see it i've seen this happen and this this sense come true for quite a few years now at this stage However, what's happening now is it's accelerating and it's intensifying. So what, what's what's happening? The best way I can describe for people is that it is like a war is about to take place. And it is a war, an energetic war. And you can call it from on one side is the old world. On the other side is the new world. On one side, you could say it's bad or evil. On the other side, it's good. It, it depends on what, which terminology you, you want to feel comfortable with. But that's happening and we're moving into that phase in order to get rid of the old world so that we can actually embrace the new world. What's that new world? It's a much, much higher level of consciousness. It's doing business in a completely different way. It's having a completely different intention and focus in relation to what we're doing with the world. That's very, very different. And that's the reason why, you know, all the vast majority of listeners from a change maker perspective, they're to form part of that new world. And therefore, the old world, in some respects, are being forced into it. And if they're not going to be forced, well, then they'll no longer be here in a lot of different ways. Um, So that's the phase that we're going through right now at the moment. I love that. So I have to ask you, what is the world that you long for? (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, it's not utopian because that doesn't exist. Um, right. And it'll never exist anyway because you have to have both sides anyway for universal laws. Um, oh, that's, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough question. Um, because I see so much, and this is where from, from an intuitive and from an empathic perspective, um, there is so much... Um, things that are could be done so much better in the world you know right across the globe um what i love a world whereby you know people are really really um living life fully and really getting the most out of the lifetime that they have here absolutely i you know i over the last 10 years i've lost four um four uh, family members two brothers and, and two parents and we're about to lose um another brother o- over the next year um seen what and observed what, what they've gone through there is so much to be got out of life um i suppose yeah the, the, the world i would hope for is that people would actually and i don't mean this in, in a wrong way but get the chance to actually wake up to see what is actually possible and really want to um to, to, to make a difference and uh, and to live live a um such a, a most amazing life i love that Paul, if there's something that you wanted to share with our audience, maybe it's a few words of wisdom just to leave them with, or maybe it's something that you'd hoped we'd cover that we haven't, what might it be? Ooh, you caught me on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay. so I, I, I'll, I'll share this one. And the reason being is because um it's something that is actually on my wall um and it's something i reflect on very very regularly and it's actually it's taken from um marion williamson's book return to love Mm -hmm. and um sometimes it was actually misrepresented as being from um nelson mandela but it's actually from from her book return to love and perhaps maybe because it's she endorsed my first book and so I have that connection with her and so on from that perspective. But every single time I, I read that quote, um, which starts off with our, our, our deepest fears, mm-hmm. um, I actually get emotional about it. I absolutely, because it's such, it was, Marion wrote it in the book from the perspective, it was a bit like, a, as she describes it, it's a bit like a conversation between two women in the bathroom. But actually every single time I read it, I see so much deeper meaning within um, that part of of the book that she expressed um and if people ever get to read a quote and i'm sure vast majority of people know what that quote is um that's it's 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 stepping into who you truly are mm. honestly stepping into her and forget about all the fears and and just live life yeah well thank you so much i will definitely put the quote into the show notes so that everybody can read it but thank you i've really enjoyed our conversation today i knew i would and i know (laughs) our listeners will feel inspired gosh they will have learned so much from you and loved everything that you shared so thank you so much paul thank you thank you jane Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. 
A big thank you to the members of the Soul Business Academy who are our podcast sponsors and also our extended community who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.